The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus began to teach his disciples that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days, rise again. He said all this quite openly. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake, for the sake of the gospel, will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. It is often about this time in Lent that a part of me wonders why more of us don't make our way for the doors and leave the church and shut the doors behind us. For the simple reason that the words we have today in front of us, particularly from Mark's gospel, are most discomforting, at least at the surface. Jesus, who has been constantly telling his followers to be quiet about who he is and what he is doing, suddenly says things quite openly about where this path they are all following leads. And it leads to a place that few of them want to go. And of course, none of them had expected to go there when they started out on this journey with him. Peter gives voice to what everyone else is thinking, which is why when Jesus rebukes Peter for his mistake, he looks at the disciples as a whole, not just at Peter. And oh, what a rebuke it is. Get behind me, Satan, for you are putting your mind on human things not 
divine things. The challenge of the second Sunday in Lent is for us to sit for a moment with our expectations about what God is to give us and what we have been promised. Because I don't know about you, but it's true for me that if I'm being honest with myself, much of what I believe and much of what I structure my faith around has to do with buying me comfort. Perhaps even some level of peace and, if I'm really being honest, a bit of self-satisfaction. Being in the part of the world that we live in, it is not at all uncommon that I have conversations with people about faith that tends to revolve around how they can be good people. Is that true about you? It's true about me. It's what I often hear as well. Probably that's part of the reason why I am here with you. We want to be good and ethical and righteous folk. But of course, if we get beneath the skin of that a little bit under the surface, we discover the reason we want to be righteous is so that we have some level of guarantee that we will be comfortable, at peace. We will get what we need and what we want out of life. This is our version of what many sociologists and people who study religion now call prosperity Christianity. It's in the water and it connects very quickly with what we might call American civil religion, which is about capitalism and the notions of prosperity. I'm not here to throw that out. I'm just merely here to point out that that is not the root of the gospel nor is it the root of the deepest parts of our tradition. As with last week, we go all the way back to the beginning in the book of Genesis today. Last week, we heard about God's covenant, God's promise to all the creatures of the earth, to all flesh on the surface of the earth once the floodwaters had begun to recede and Noah emerges with his family and all the animals from the ark. Today we move ahead to the midst of the cycle of stories about Abraham and Sarah. And what we must remember about Abraham and Sarah is when they are called, they are called out of a life of comfort and peace. They have been living the good life in the land of Ur. And suddenly this God, this mysterious God comes to Abraham and says, you and your family must come with me and I will give you a new land. And so Abraham and Sarah, even in their old age, must 
pick up everything and leave behind all of the comforts and the familiarity of language and the people they know and make for a promised land they have not yet seen. Even more discomforting to them, God promises, even though they are childless, that they will be the ancestors of multitudes. And while we skip over it today in our reading, it's worth noting that this is where the mark of God's covenant will be physically enshrined in circumcision, the practice that the Jewish community maintains to this day. As unpleasant as that may sound to us, that mark shows how much Abraham and Sarah are departing from the creature comforts of this world and are stepping out into the unknown. And not only will there be physical marks of this covenant for every generation after that, there are the marks on their names themselves. Abram, exalted father in ancient Hebrew, suddenly becomes Abraham, father of multitudes. And Sarai becomes Sarah, making her a princess of God's people. And yet she is confronted with the reality that at some point it is promised to her that she will bear a child and all of the accompaniment dangers and discomforts that come with giving birth and raising new life. That's the covenant, God's promise from the very beginning. It's that same promise in a new way that God is giving to us through Jesus the Christ, not a promise that we will be comfortable, nor that we will really be at peace, nor that we will even feel righteous about ourselves. And in fact, what the promise through Christ shows us is that the end of this Lenten journey actually is death. Death to our old selves, perhaps, metaphorically, but also the end of our natural life and the beginning of a new life in God. A life that we can scarcely imagine, let alone ask for. A life that we did not expect. Peter's objection is not coming out of whole cloth. Peter is objecting just like we all object to being shoehorned out of our comfort. Peter's comfort was in the sense that he was following the Messiah as was expected in the first century, the Messiah who would throw the Roman bums out and restore the ancient glory of King David to Israel. A thousand years of legend and myth and suffering at the hands of various empires 
have led to this understanding, this hope in the Messiah. Peter thinks he found the Messiah in Jesus, and then Jesus confronts him and the rest of the disciples with the awfully discomforting truth that Jesus is not going to throw the Roman bombs out. In fact, Jesus will be crucified by it. Of course Peter is upset by that. Wouldn't you be? How many times have we gotten into faith and seen our lives opened up in ways that we didn't ask for or imagine? And somewhere in the back of our head, there's a voice that says, I didn't sign up for this. And to be, truth be told, how many of us have been around Church of Our Savior long enough to have been through tough times and been up at those friction points and knocking the edges off each other and that voice in the back of our head says, I didn't sign up for this. That is the sum. Paul reminds us in his letter today of God's covenant at work among us. The promise of our faith is not that we will be comfortable, nor that we will be at peace. And truth be told, not that we will necessarily be righteous. If anything, we're going to be shown just how unrighteous we are. The promise of our faith is the ancient promise that was given to Abraham and Sarah without their asking without our asking. The promise is that God will be with us through those tough times, walking with us, guidance on the road, helping us to grow through all of the discomforts and the unpleasant things that come our way, giving us grace to become the creatures of God, the people of God, that God has called us to be. And that entails growth. And growth, my sisters and brothers, as you all know, is not a comfortable process, but is often uncomfortable, lacking peace, and often forcing us to confront things we don't like about ourselves. But that is the journey of Lent. The good news of today, as small as it may seem, is that bright shining note that God, as God was from the beginning, is always faithful to us and will always be there with us to the end and beyond. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. 
We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.